0: Welcome to Force Points To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to To The Point Cybersecurity. This is one of your co-hosts, Erica Pierce, and joined, as always, by Eric. How are you doing?
1: doing great Erica part three
0: yeah part three and we have George with us again three weeks in a row hi George
1: hi Erica how are you
0: so if you have been listening the past couple of weeks, you'll know that we took a little bit of a different spin. And we've been, been we've been focused on how to be uh, your own personal CIO or CISO of your home. And so we've been fo- focusing on consumer cybersecurity. And so we've covered a lot of topics. Again, if you haven't listened to the past two weeks, still listen right now, but then go back and listen to episodes, um, the past two episodes, so you can be fully apprised about how to have a comprehensive and safe network at home. So you guys are ready to Jump back in.
2: Yes, let's go. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So I know last week we talked about a bunch of different things from locking your system, web browsing, um, email phishing, a lot of good topics. Let's start off this week with fire scanning.
2: Good, good idea. So there's two rules of thought here, right? Um, Buy a virus scanner or use one of the free ones provided, or maybe not do it at all. So I guess three different rules of thought. So I'm a PC user at home. I know Eric's a Macintosh user, so it'd be interesting to get his uh, feedback on the Mac side. But on the Windows side, I highly recommend what's built into the system, Windows Defender. It's a very good virus scanner. It's uh, free, it gets updated for free. However, there's a number of third-party products out there as well. But um, I believe that you should put a virus scanner, at least on your Windows platform. Eric, what do you think about a Macintosh platform?
1: So I agree with using virus scanning I mean the, the efficacy rates between the best and the worst there there isn't a huge spread I would use one of the commercially available well-known brands I would probably not use a foreign brand in most cases How about um, on
2: a Macintosh do you believe in virus scanning on a Macintosh
1: so I do I do uh, you know, there are viruses out there I heard a statistic once that the number 18%, once a platform reaches about 18% saturation across the market, mm-hmm. it's interesting enough for the adversary to actually create to monetize attacks against it. Interesting. Um, and so Mac isn't quite there yet, but but there really isn't a huge downside in this day and age from a compute resource limitation or impact issue. And the other thing I think with a, with virus scanning, when you do have a piece of malware on your box, you need a way to remove it. Yep. A big part of virus scanners or malware, malware, uh, anti-malware products is the ability to do remediation mm-hmm. and you've got to have something installed. I would do it beforehand. So you get a higher likelihood of noticing something and a higher likelihood of being able to remove it
2: Yep. and be honest. I haven't seen a virus in probably 15, 20 years. I guess I've been somewhat fortunate. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of that's due to web-based email. So for instance, like uh, Google, Hotmail, whatever provider you may use, uh, typically virus scans the attachment before you get it. So I, I think there's a big benefit there too. But as you point out, Eric, I think it takes so little resources on the computer, it, It's uh, there's no reason not to run it.
1: And they're relatively cost-effective. Mm-hmm. They're not that expensive, so I, I would put something on regardless of your platform. Yep. Probably not on Linux.
2: Yep. And also, I wouldn't advise it for an iOS device, an iPad or an iPhone. So that was
0: my next question: Is should you have it on your iOS device?
2: Uh, I don't think the. Um, Uh, Those systems are architected differently than what we see with our home compute systems and they're not susceptible to viruses. That's, you know, and to be honest, I haven't heard of a virus that runs on that platform. Android might be a different story, but um, having more familiarity with iOS, I I would not recommend running it on that platform.
1: The last studies I've seen, and I've been out of that piece of the business for a few years now, uh, there were... 400 or so unique mobile pieces of malware created, I think quarterly. Mm-hmm. If you look at the window side of the house, we're in the millions. Wow. Mm, right, so wow. It's just the sheer, it's almost like Unix is in a similar boat. Um, I don't think you need it. I think I think a lot of, I think, I think a lot of what you get from a um, mobile malware or anti-malware or virus scanner is the, the likelihood of downloading a piece of malware or a PUP, a potentially unwanted program is a lot higher than like, getting a product that will do some good and can actually help you. Right? Right. Right. The other thing is the algorithms used, the system, the way the way on a mobile device, because you've got battery constraints, you've got all these challenges mm-hmm. on the mobile device. It, it, it's just a totally different architecture and I don't think that's the way to go. Yep.
0: OK, so let's let's say you've done everything you're supposed to do. You've, you've done your virus scans, but you're still hacked. So what what do you do? I mean, I think we know when we're at work, uh, we report it. You know, we have I.T. come in. They, they take care of it. Um, but what happens when it's you know, when it's your home, your home computer? How do you handle a, a, a virus or being hacked?
2: That's a good question. So in episode one, we talked a lot about backups. If you back up your data you can easily wipe your system and start from scratch. And if you do get hacked, I highly suggest wiping the system completely, reloading the operating from system from scratch, install all the patches that go along with that operating system. Once you get up to date, restore from your backups and restore all your data. And in some cases, if your computer's old, you may want to just start from scratch and buy a new computer.
1: There That's it I, I'm going to go to the old stop, drop, and roll. You know <laughs> What happens when you notice a fire in the house? Yeah. I, I think the first thing you do is stop and think, and you do that very quickly. You disconnect the computer from the network immediately. Right? Very good if point. It won't spread. Yep. I would absolutely do that. First and foremost, I would probably disconnect any external drives to buy yourself enough time to think. That's kind of the stop. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The drop is let's think about it. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Who do I call? Maybe do I shut my system down immediately and call my brother in law who's a cybersecurity expert? Or do I call the geek squad or, or what do I do? Once you figure out, once you determine what the problem may be, You know, maybe you downloaded a piece of malware or maybe a ransomware warning message flashed up on your screen. You're going to take different courses of action. Right. But if you've been hacked personally, I think, you know, stop the bleeding. You know, let's go back to some first aid, some basic, basic first aid triage. Stop the bleeding, stabilize the situation, and then you start your remediation. That remediation could be, you, you run your virus scanner immediately. I, I don't see a lot of downside to that other than you're allowing the computer to work. Right. And there's potentially, you know, you're allowing the malware to do additional damage. But once you once you stop it and you take a close, close look at what happened, I think one of the things you need to do immediately, and maybe you do this from a separate system, a mobile device, another computer, I would immediately start changing passwords. Yep. Definitely.
0: Definitely. You want to get out
1: there. You want to look at your account. What does normal look like? You want to notify your friends and family and probably not in this order, but you want to let them know you've been hacked and and to look out for suspicious emails. You want to think about and maybe even research the piece of malware if if you determine through a virus scanner or something else that it was on your system. Mm hmm.
2: You bring up a very good point, Eric. I just immediately defaulted to your PC being hacked and what to do there, but there's various forms of being hacked. We see a lot of it in Facebook, uh, credentials getting stolen in Facebook. In that case, I wouldn't recommend reloading your whole system because you're not going to solve that problem. That goes back to stop, drop and roll, look what the problem is and then take the appropriate action from there. I agree with changing the passwords. We talked about password manager having different passwords for every system. So if you got hacked on Facebook, your password for your other systems are not
1: compromised. And a lot of times the password managers will let you know if there's a hack, uh, you know, a specific, site that you go to with a username and password if there's a publicly disclosed disclosed hack. So this isn't on your system, Mm -hmm. but you're you're notified that Equifax or somebody was breached and your data was potentially compromised. They will, the password managers even notify you now to change that password.
2: But when we get down to if your home PC gets hacked or your IOT system you suspect gets hacked, I still suggest wiping it clean and start from scratch. Because if you start taking some measures of running a virus scanner to find anything, you'll always be suspicious of something wrong. It's still hidden in the system, and the only way to get it clean is to wipe it from scratch. But providing that you have good backups.
0: Well, that's that's what I was going to say. I think it all goes back to uh, your theme of episode one, George, is, which was back up everything, back up often. Um, right. Which you know we're all guilty of not doing that. Usually it's after we you know we lose something or um, we're we're hacked or we need to wipe our system. When everyone's saying, "Oh, did you back up?" And so uh, <laughs> I think it's just something we all should be more proactive. I know myself <laughs> certainly should be more proactive with it. So that that's that's good advice. Have you guys heard of the Calls that have been coming in that have said you've been hacked?
2: Yes. Uh, matter of fact, my mother-in-law got a call four or five months ago from Microsoft and telling her that her system has been corrupted, it's been compromised, and they need to remotely log in. Fortunately, she had the foresight to give her family CIO a CISO a call, that's me, to find <laughs> out if Lucky she you. should give them the information. And I asked her if I could talk to them directly. And I basically told them that they were taking advantage of someone and that was not right and hung up on them. But Microsoft will never, ever call you. Apple will never call you and tell you that your system is corrupted or an insecure state and ask for remote access. Eric, do you have a story?
1: But that's not the case because Microsoft India called my father several months ago (laughs) and coerced him. This is a true story. His son works in the cybersecurity business, as you do, yeah. George, still susceptible. They coerced him into spending 39.95, I believe it was, on his credit card with them. Nice. And granting remote access to remove the virus that they said that they notifi- noticed on his system. They had access to his system for about two, two and a half hours before he mentioned or, or suspected there was a problem, he called me up while he was on the phone with them from his cell phone and said, hey, I've got these guys in and, and you know I've paid them to clean my, <laughs> my virus from Microsoft India. Wow. But something doesn't feel right.
2: So do you, Dad, you disconnect the network and shut down the machine?
1: Dad, immediately power <laughs> off the system. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Hit the power button, shut the system down immediately. Hang up on them. So we did that. That was the stop in the stop, drop and roll. Okay. What do I do now? I'm about three hours away. He's, it's a Windows system. No idea what they did. So we spent the next 30 minutes talking about what do you do on your system? He does his banking. He's got Excel spreadsheets with all his confidential information, his retirement accounts, Wow. Okay. everything there. They had admin access to his box for over two hours. Because he has one account. We talked a couple weeks ago, George, about having separate accounts. So my recommendation to him was, do you have any backups? Of course, he doesn't. Okay. Fortunately, he had a new PC that he got for Christmas the year before in the box, still unopened.
0: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) From a year plus ago.
1: Dad, I want you to set that up. Yeah. Use the new PC. Just burn and destroy the one you have now. We're gonna erase your data, don't do it. Okay, got it. Anything else I should do? I don't know if I mentioned if I had him disconnect the, uh, the, the cat five network Hopefully cable. Hopefully call the media. credit
2: card company too.
1: So I told him to monitor his credit. I think that's another critical piece. Freeze your credit. Yep. It's a pain, it's difficult. Freeze your credit because at least you can help protect people taking out new accounts. Monitor your bank accounts, mm-hmm. monitor your critical accounts for any changes that may happen. Some banks will even let you notify them that you've had a breach or you've had a system and they'll enhance their security. They're actually really good at it. So- Sometimes too good, right? <laughs> end of the story because my story clearly beats George. I call my dad up about a week later because I gave him the instructions to set up the new box, get his America line going. Yes, still use <laughs> America Online for email, right? So, So I call him up, how's it going? It's going great. Did you have any problems restoring your data? Nope, it was all there. That new PC he got a year ago for Christmas? It's still in the box. Oh. He powered on the box that they dialed into. They had remote access to the box. He could he granted them remote access. He could see the mouse cursor moving around. Wow. He's still using it. Wow. That's what happens with you know, trusting users, people mm-hmm. who don't understand this industry. Now he hasn't had any problems since then. Maybe they only took the 39.95? I think that's
2: probably the case.
1: But to this date, why would they take the money and then troll around in the box for 2 hours and not do anything else? I can't answer the question. I can't get him to new, use the new PC.
2: Sounds like you need I to I suspect
1: up every email that comes from my father is on the high watch. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's the problem we have with users who just aren't necessarily educated or up to speed in the space. They're trusting.
2: Yeah. And you bring up a good point. You don't know what they've done And your father had a bunch of sensitive information on his system. I do is I create a separate partition that's encrypted where I put my sensitive files, my TurboTax files, my financial spreadsheets, any important information goes into that and it's encrypted until I need it. And when I need it, I decrypt it, mount the drive, do my work, then de- and then unmount it so it's no longer available when I use it.
1: I don't think like, that's a fair expectation for a common user.
2: I don't either. It's very it's,
1: impressive, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, call me paranoid, but I, I think it's a good practice. And if you can do it, it's do great, it. It's great,
1: but you have to be able to, you know, what are the things that a common user can do and will do is the way I look at it, right? It's got to be easy enough for them to accomplish it. And then it has to be easy enough so that they will do it. Yeah. Maybe connecting a drive that you have all your sensitive data on, which can be encrypted through File Vault or the Windows, the Windows version of that, and only connecting that when you need data. Yep. And then you you disconnect yeah, the USB drive and leave it next. Maybe we can expect less uh, less cyber savvy savvy users to to do that. But make sure that's backed up as well. But you got to connect it when you want to backup. Yeah,
2: and make sure that backup is not the PC, because that's your most critical data now. Yep.
0: hmm Absolutely. No, that's, so it, that's good it, advice.
2: You, you brought up a good point. There's two good points here. One, never accept a call from Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> never. And then
0: definitely shoot, don't give them your 39.99 oh, or access to your computer
1: <laughs> unless you've opened up a case. Both Microsoft and Apple will call you back if you if you're I, working a tech support case. Yes. That They're not that you
0: initiate it, not that that. You initiated.
1: They're not just going to call you out of the blue and tell you you have a problem. Yep.
2: And you also touched on something else that I think is very important is monitoring your financial life. Um, I have notifications set up on all my credit cards, so whenever a transaction's made, I get a notification or a text message on my telephone. I uh, just saw that my wife went to the hair salon a few minutes ago. <laughs> wow. I thought it was credit card fraud, but that's what the expense is. Uh, you know, keep our hair looking nice. But um, that and also any transactions on my bank. I have notifications. So I try to be I try to stay ahead of the game. Credit cards, financial institutions, so you don't wait to the end of the month to see what is happening. You constantly know what's going on at all times. And if fraud occurs, you can detect it quickly. And then call up the credit card company to either close the account or, or, or do something else.
1: And, and I think we talked about this in episode one or two, but be careful where you log into your banking information, yeah. right? If you're doing it from Starbucks or overseas, you want to use a VPN or not do it right. You know, it's probably safer to do it over cellular over your phone than over Wi-Fi over your phone or iOS device. And, and,
2: and don't click on an email link for Bank of America, for instance, type it out and go to there because you may be getting fished. Um, that's a, a common trick where an email we sent to you to look at your account you click on their button it of send you to Bank of America or whatever financial institution may do be doing business with they'll send you to theirs I've also been a subject to a phishing attack where American Express called me on my telephone work telephone that there is uh, some fraud on my corporate credit card this is back when we used American Express I called the number and it asked for my credit card number, which
0: Mm. I thought was a bit (laughs)
2: suspicious. And so instead of using the number they provide me on voicemail, I used the number on the back of the card, called up to see if there was any fraud with my account, and there was none. So I think that was a phishing attack to have me call the, the credit card company to type in my credit card number so they can capture that and use it at a later time.
1: I, I think so, American Express does require your card number to route you appropriately. Mm-hmm. I know I've done that before, but I love the way you're thinking. Right. Be suspicious. Worry about it. Right. Call them back on their number and on say, hey, okay, heads up. Yes. Right. Validate. You you retain positive control of the situation as opposed to the potential adversary. Because just think
2: of it. It's very easy to record that American Express um, pre-canned announcement of "Hello, this is American Express." Type in your 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 credit card number and use that to get to um, uh, steal people's credit card numbers. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well,
0: and in that's the- that's why they say you know you should, as you just said, Eric, you should always be able to call them back if it's legitimate. You know. Um, credit card company or a financial institution that's calling you and asking you for private information, you should always be able to say, I want to hang up and and call you uh, directly back and, and call whatever is the established phone number. Um, this is all great advice, guys. I mean, I, I think what's going through my head right now is we live in a day and age where we, you know, we um, we touch so much sensitive data, financial data, on our phones, you know, on our computers, um, much different than we did, you know, in previous years before we had all this access to, access to technology. And while it's great, it opens us up to so many vulnerabilities. And I think it's just being smart about them, um, to know that everyone is not out there <laughs> to help us or to, uh, you know, or, or trying to. Um, you know, just be a, a, a good, a good citizen. But some people are out there to try to, you know, take our data, take our information, and certainly take our money.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think easy access is easy access. Yep. Both for good and nefarious reasons. Yep. For purposes.
2: Hey, Eric, be- Erica. Before we conclude today, there's one thing I'd like to touch on. That when we we had a long discussion about password management, and one thing I failed to mention is that. You should have a backup paper copy of your passwords in a safe place or with a trusted individual. Um, unfortunately, my aunt passed away a number of years ago and she had a number of electronic accounts. And fortunately, she used bad password keeping tech- Techniques of putting it all in her notepad on her iPad.
1: Fortunately, because you essentially became the hacker after she passed.
2: Correct. And I had to cancel Facebook accounts, other accounts. She had a, uh, for instance, a uh, birthday card that would automatically go out to people with her signature. You know, it's amazing what you can buy online. And people are starting to receive birthday cards from her, and she was deceased, so it was very strange. So having those passwords, I was able to go in and, and stop those accounts. So. You know, if you make if you have a password manager, print out the password, store them in a safe place in case if if something does happen to you, a loved one can go back and and, and, uh, at least clean up some things for you.
1: I agree. At least your master password, have it in a safety deposit box, have it in a safe, have it somewhere where somebody can get it and let people know somebody you trust, preferably two people Mm -hmm. where it is. Yep.
0: Great advice. We, Great advice. You may be in
1: a coma, not even pass away. Absolutely. And, and somebody needs access to your information. Yep. What do they do? Yep. The
2: alternative is providing uh, death certificates. and It's just a mess. And it's just much easier to leave those passwords, will them to someone to take care of uh, the
1: issues. George, where do we go for more information? So there's a number
2: of uh, um, resources available since this is a government um mostly. I'll give some government pointers. Uh, the DOD CIO has a good document called Best Practices for Keeping Your Home Secure. It's on the Internet. NSA also has a document uh, that is called Keeping Home Networks Secure by NSA. Uh, they're, they're, they complement each other. The best one that I've found to date is by DHS, um, the cert. Or the N kick or NCCIC, and it's simply called home network security. So do some Google searches. There's some good material out there. They're only a few pages long. Um, you yeah, know, highly recommend looking at them.
1: So I, I would say, you know, in closing, Erica, one way I look at this problem for laymen or, or personnel who aren't necessarily family members who aren't cybersecurity experts, if you take the If you take this into a more physical security world, Mm -hmm. talking about locking your doors and your windows, not parking or going to unsafe places in your vehicle. If somebody does break into your house, doing an inventory and understanding what changed, what they potentially took, what their motives might be, I found that it's a little it's a little more translatable to the layperson. Yep. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Yep. You know, and, and nobody wants to go to bed at night without locking their doors and locking their windows, mm-hmm. leaving them wide open for anybody to come in. You feel violated when that happens in a physical world. Mm-hmm. You feel the same emotions in a cyber world.
0: No, Absolutely. you do. You do, especially in this day and age.
1: Yeah. So, so be smart. Take the precautions you need to take to protect yourself, your family, your friends and others.
2: And the best security is? Disconnect it from the network or turn it off at night
1: when you're not using your PC. And back up, back up. (laughs) up. So in closing, Erica, how are you doing with your Nigerian Prince scam? (laughs) I didn't have to
0: send any Bitcoin, so it all worked out. So we're we're all good to go.
1: (laughs) That's good, because as of this recording, Bitcoin is up again a little bit. (laughs) I know,
0: actually, I, I have some investment in Bitcoin.
1: There we go.
2: <laughs> and did you protect that uh, key? Exactly, exactly,
0: exactly. Well, guys, this has been great. Um, if you haven't listened to the past two episodes where we uh, covered other topics in consumer cybersecurity, definitely go and check those out. Appreciate, George, you joining us uh, three weeks in a row. It's, it's been fun having you on. You'll have to come back soon.
2: All right. Thank
0: you. Good. Well, and thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Let us know what you think. Please rate us on iTunes and uh, shoot us an email or a note and let us know what you think of the podcast or what we should talk about next. Until next week. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks, Erica. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Force Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.